Good morning, everyone. This month, we are starting a look at what it means to have a firm foundation. Now, I want you guys to look at Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. Or Matthew 7, excuse me. Matthew 7, verse 24. Matthew 7, verse 24. Matthew chapter 7, starting with verse 24. And it says this. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is, like, is, is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against the house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. talking about the wise builder and the foolish builder, right? The wise one builds it on the rock, the firm foundation, whereas the foolish one will build it on the sand, that when the, the rains come, it washes it away. Now, I'll admit, I like to watch home improvement shows. I love when they'll take a building and they'll renovate it and remodel it to something new where you're looking at it and it's become a completely new creation. The transformation that that house w would go under would be amazing. And when you think about that, when Christ comes into our lives and when we start applying that teaching to ourselves, we're kind of going through the same thing, right? But one of the things I always notice when they're having these houses done, right, is they have a habit of gutting the house and tearing it down to bare walls because they're checking on what? The foundation of it. They're checking on the walls, the supporting beams that will support the whole house. They check the underneath of the house. They check the flooring underneath. And sometimes, as they open it up, they find a surprise, right? They'll find that the foundation isn't secure as they thought it was. They'll find that a floor had been covered up cosmetically, but instead has rotted through. And they have to gut it all out and break it all down and build it all back up so that the foundation is firm enough to stand years against whatever may come against it. And that's what we need to do in our own lives. 
Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the wind beats against the house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. Jesus is making a parallel between storms and buildings. He's encouraging people to act upon what he's teaching them. Contrasting between those who just listen and those who actually follow through. So, what does it mean? What do the houses that you build mean? Well, that's what we're going to talk about. What is the storm? And how can we build a foundation to withstand the storms? Those are all things that we're going to talk about. We're going to look at it and make sure that our renovations come out complete. And hopefully during this time, you'll evaluate yourselves to determine whether or not there may be some surprises underneath some floors that look okay. Or whether they're just waiting for someone to step wrong to fall through. Each of us is like a building in life, right? Each of us have up and downs that come our way. Shakes that happen. But for a building to be equipped earthquake safe, right? They have to have a certain level. They're built with certain materials. They're built to withstand certain things. The same thing for things for hurricanes. There's a reason there's guidelines that people who build houses need to be licensed, that you get building permits and you have an inspector come out because they don't want to find out after the fact that there's a problem behind walls. And so, what lies behind our walls? Is our foundation firm? Or if they open it up, if you cut a test patch into the drywall to check what's going on with the support beams, are you going to be in for a surprise? Too many times on those home improvement shows, they've done that. They've cut that dry patch on, um, they cut that test patch in that drywall, only to find out that a wall that should have been supported isn't, and they have to sure it up to make sure that the roof won't come down upon them with a good rain. Are we like that? Are our walls just there? We are a building. We're called the temple. Right? But what are we made of? Let's make sure as we go through, that we begin to realize that we need to be made of firm 
things and we need to be built on a firm foundation because storms have the potential to destroy things that aren't built well. And storms are things that threaten our well-being. It may not actually be a physical storm. Anything that shakes, rattles, and rolls us. Thunder doesn't have to be something we hear with our ears. It can be something we feel with our hearts. There doesn't have to be literal tornadoes, hurricanes, and floods to make our lives feel like we've been hit by a tornado, a hurricane, or a flood. Sometimes things happen in our lives. Storms happen. And we pay a price when they come. The question is, is how do we respond to that? When a storm comes, a flood comes, a hurricane or tornado comes and yanks something away from us and leaves us with tragedy, how do we respond? Are we able to stand strong, willing to continue? Do we continue on in hope? Do we continue on in faith? Or do we find ourselves scattered, shattered, with no way to even know about how to pick up the pieces? Devastated. And not knowing how to continue. Illness, death, Financial difficulties, those are all things that can affect us, that can shake, rattle, and roll us. Things that can emotionally bankrupt us if we don't build up enough foundation. Are we prepared? What kind of building have we been doing? But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. What do we do? How have we been living our lives? It's kind of like the parable Jesus tells in Matthew 25, where three separate employees get certain amounts of money, right? Five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last one, finally. 
And then he goes away on a trip. And the servant who had five bags invests it and earns five more so that he now has ten. And the servant with two bags went to work and earned two more so that he now has four. But the servant who only had one bag was nervous. His foundation wasn't strong enough. And he didn't want to find out if there were problems. He wasn't even willing to look and find out if there were problems. And he just said, you know what? I've got one bag to take care of, and I'm going to make sure there's one bag when he comes back. So he digs a hole and he buries it. When the master finally returns, he calls these three servants to him. The one with five says, Master, you gave me five. I invested and I earned five more. And the master was full of praise and said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant who had received two comes forward and says, You gave me two bags. I went to work and I invested and I've earned you two more. So that there was now four. And then Hester says again, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. And finally, the servant with one. He says, master, <laughs> you're kind of a harsh guy and I didn't want to disappoint you. So you gave me one. Here it is, one back. I didn't want to not have your money when you came back, so I didn't want to take any chances or any risk. I didn't plant it, didn't gather crops, didn't cultivate it. I was afraid of losing your money, so I hid it. But instead of praising him, saying, well, at least I've got what I gave you back, Verse 26 of Matthew 25, he says, You wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested the crops and I didn't plant and gathered crops, I and, and plant it and gathered crops I didn't cultivate. In other words, if you knew I was the boss and reaped rewards from stuff that I didn't personally do with my own hands, then why didn't you at least deposit my money in the bank so that it could have collected interest, so that the bank could have at least paid me some money on it? And then he says, take the silver away from the servant who did nothing. The one who didn't have faith. And give it to the one who did what they were supposed to. The one that now has ten bags because he was able to multiply. Because he stepped out on faith. kind of parallels to the stories of the builders, right? Two servants. Took the teachings and did more than just listen to them. They applied them. And that's why they were able to reap a reward. But the one servant, he had heard the words but like the builder, did nothing with him and still went his own way. 
the wise builder who builds on bedrock because he knows that a foundation is important. Or the foolish builder who knows that you should build on bedrock, but it costs so much more and it's harder to get to and it's more difficult and there's more work involved in it. And what if you run out of time or money before you get a good, decent foundation started? Is it worth the extra trouble when there's this really nice piece of land right here? So what if it's in a flood zone? So what if the ground doesn't even have any bedrock underneath it? Because it used to be a bunch of swamp land. It's solid enough now, right? And sometimes we do that. We shore ourselves up. We patch things up. When we become a new person, a new creation, we may take the route of instead of checking the walls and removing patches of drywall to test it, we just say, you know what? The walls are standing right now. They'll stand for a little bit longer and we slap a fresh coat of paint on it and call it the day. I have seen those shows where people have tried to do renovations before and then someone will inherit this house or they'll buy this house and then they open things up to find out that there's this huge problem because somebody started a renovation and didn't do it properly or didn't finish it but they went ahead and finished the cosmetic work. And so they got in behind stuff, behind the wall, under the floor, only to find a giant mess. Sometimes they've redone a bathroom, and as they're ripping out the stuff just to kind of expand it, they find that, you know what, now we have to gut it because they didn't seal it properly and those mold growing on the walls and they have to pay to get the mold tested because there's that potential mold that's so dangerous it can kill you. And in our lives, we can allow things to spread like that where it looks harmless enough at first. That's just regular mold and we don't do anything about it. until doubt and fear start to creep in, until our faith is suffering, and we can't understand why. And we'll slap a coat of paint over that mold without addressing the real issue, the leak. We have to have strong bones and a firm foundation. If we are a building, then we need to be the kind of building that if a builder inspector came in to look at, he would go, you know what? This house is very well put together, and I wouldn't mind living here myself. 
Because the thing is, is we do have an inspector who will come in at the end of days and will judge us based on how we have built ourselves. When the final judgment comes. And we're going to be held accountable for who we are and what we've done. And how our faith has persevered. And what do we want to hear? Do we want to get told that we're lazy? Or do we want to hear what he told the other two? Well done. Yeah. What do we want to hear? Obeying and applying the teachings of Jesus is key to withstanding the storms. Just hearing the word is not sufficient enough. Look at James, chapter 1. If it couldn't be said any plainer, you know, Matthew tells us that if you don't apply, if you don't use the teachings of the Lord, you're like someone who foolishly builds his, ha- his house on sand. Or in our case, you know, on the flood zone. In swamp water. There may not be water there now, so that's good, right? Doesn't mean that we're not, you know, hey, we don't, it's not raining. It hasn't rained in over 100 years there. So that's safe, right? James 1, starting with verse 22, says this. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and then forget what you look like. But if you look carefully in the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you've heard, then God will bless you for doing it. Think of it this way. This is from the message. It says, don't fool yourselves into thinking that you're a listener when you're anything but, letting the word go in one ear and out the other. Act on what you hear. Those who hear and don't act are like those who glance in the mirror, walk away, and two minutes later have no idea who they are or what they look like. We must not just be a hearer, we must be a doer. We must do what Jesus says. Like I said in James 1.25, but whoever catches a glimpse of the revealed counsel of God, the free life, even out of the corner of his eye and sticks with it, is not, distract, is a, it's not a distracted scatterbrain, but a man or woman of action, that person will find delight and affirmation in that action. Not a scattered brain. We know that word, right? They're not distracted, but they stand firm. And with that, when we apply the words, that's when we can withstand the storm. When we apply the teachings of having a firm foundation, 
into our lives. And we're going to look at that a little bit more the rest of this month, about what it means, how to shore up our foundation. But before we even think about how to build our foundation firm, we need to evaluate what we already have. We need to find what may be some weak spots in the floor, walls that aren't being supported the way they should be. Is our roof ready to collapse? What does our foundation look like? Do they need to shore it up? On one of those renovation shows I like to watch, they were climbing in the crawl space under the house. And when they got under there, they go, oh my goodness, we have been walking around in this house. And look under here. We're lucky we haven't fallen through the whole floor. We're lucky that the house hasn't shifted and just collapsed on the foundation it is on. You've seen those houses where they look like they're supported by cylinder bricks and you're sitting here going, how can you even sit? That's not a foundation. That's an accident waiting to happen, right? What kind of foundation do we have? Can it withstand the storms? Matthew tells us to seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be added unto us. If we want to know how to build up our foundation, seek out God. Stay strong, stay straight on the narrow way that leads to life. The straight and narrow path, that is. Receive the good gifts that God gives to his children. Our necessities will be provided for, so let us be free from anxiety and worry. And to begin to build up a treasure. A treasure that cannot be destroyed by rust stolen by thieves a treasure in the Lord and so for the last couple of minutes I want us to reflect on what kind of builder we think we are Matthew seven twenty four from the message says, These words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life, homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words, words to build a life on. If you work these words into your life, you are like a smart carpenter who builds his house on solid rock. Rain poured down, the river flooded, or tornado hit, but nothing moved that house. It was fixed to the rock. But if you just use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, you're like the stupid carpenter who built his house on the sandy beach. When a storm rolled in and the waves came up, it collapsed like a house of cards. We need to be doing more 
than being worried about slapping a fresh coat of paint on the walls. We need to make sure that what's behind the walls is going to hold up to the storms. We need to be worried about the floor that we're standing on, the ground, instead of just, oh, throwing a carpet over it so that nobody notices that it looks a little rough. We need to make sure it's going to bear weight. We need to make sure that our house is definitely sitting on more than just cylinder bricks. That a good wind would knock it over. We're not the three little pigs. We don't want to build with sticks or straw. If we want to emulate any pig, we definitely want that third one. Because no matter how much the winds of the world or the wolves will seek to devour the lambs of the good shepherd. We don't want them to be able to huff and puff and blow us down. We want to be able to protect our temple. Be able to stand firm. with a good foundation. We're going to have a song that plays, and as it plays, take this time, listen to the words, and check your foundation.
Heavenly Father, help us to indeed be building up a firm foundation, building it on bedrock, Lord, so that we may be able to stand firm at whatever storms may come our way, Lord. Be with us. As we apply your teachings to our lives, Lord, as we follow you where you would lead us, we ask these things through your beloved Son, Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.